there are a few who move toward the sounds of chaos. Ready to respond at a moment's notice. And when the time comes, they are the first to move toward the sounds of tyranny, injustice, and despair. They are forged in the crucible of training. They are the few, the proud, the Marines. Yeah! Right? I feel like I need a protein shake after watching that. But seriously, I, I, like, I need a protein shake. I'm skinny. Um, so, guys, uh, my name is Joel. I am one of the teaching pastors here. It is great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been traveling through uh, the book of Acts and uh, most recently jumping into the book of James. Um, where we were traveling in, in the book of Acts, the early church was beginning to withstand some incredibly intense persecution. And uh, unlike those Marines, the early church, really, they were kind of normal common citizens. Uh, I, I respect Marines. Uh, how many of you guys would, would be with me on that? You respect Marines. Well, I know that I could never, yeah, let's give them a hand. Let's give them a hand. Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, EMT, firefighter, everybody that's awesome. But they are incredible people who run toward the battle, and, and I know I could never be one of those guys. Uh, when I was in high school, I, uh, I would run from the recruiter, so they'd be in the lunchroom, coming my direction, and I would like kind of sneak away from my table and go sit with another table. And if they ever did catch me, I would give them my friend's name. Just to make sure that I never got, I never got talked to too much because for me, I'm just kind of a pansy. I'm like a, a normal, everyday kind of guy. I like to play those kinds of video games, but that's about, about it. And uh, in the book of Acts, the church, they were starting to experience some really incredible uh, persecution, some really intense things. Uh, were beginning to happen, and uh, so much so that one of the key leaders in the church, James, the brother of John, uh, Peter had, or, I'm sorry, Jesus had three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and James, one of the closest of uh, his uh, close three, and then there were the 12, was murdered. So the early church, of course, would have been incredibly uh, in fear. I mean, if we could imagine just for a moment uh, what, it, what, what it would be like if uh, Renault, our lead pastor, uh, because he uh, was living on mission and adopting too many children and, uh, and preaching the gospel so fiercely, if he were arrested, not given a trial, and, and killed, what would that do to our community here at Mosaic? Um, I know for me, Renault's been an incredible inspiration in my life, a mentor to me. What would I be feeling in that moment? And for the early church, uh, when James was killed, this, this was that moment where they began to see, you know, the persecution wasn't just affecting regular people, but, but truly even the leaders of the church. If Jesus were to protect anybody, he'd protect one of his closest three, right? But the persecution was running rampant. And so James, not, not the one who had been killed, but uh, James, the little brother of Jesus, writes a letter to the church as they had been kind of spread out from the persecution, writes a letter to encourage this church to remain on mission. 
even though they were normal, everyday people, to be like the Marines, willing to run toward the mission instead of away from the mission. You know, for, for me, I, I know that, um, you know, in life, it's very easy for us as things get really crazy, as things get really uh, strenuous, as things get really tough, it's easy for us to focus our attention on the circumstances and get way off track. And what James is saying is, is don't focus your attention on the circumstances. Don't focus your attention on the trial. Focus your attention on Jesus so that you can stand. Last week, Renaud, our lead pastor, shared with us the beginning uh, portion of the book of James. We talked about standing in the midst of trial, standing uh, regardless of how rough it gets, and knowing that God is able to take the most horrific uh, situation in our life and use it for our salvation and for our sanctification, and that we can trust God, and in the process of trusting God, we can stand through the trials. And this is kind of where we pick up uh, this week. So if you'd like to go ahead and jump into uh, your Bibles, we're on page 654 in the book of James. James chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 19. James chapter 1, verse 19. James says this, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Uh, yesterday, I, uh, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond. I was on a mission of my own. Uh, how many of you guys like Bed Bath & Beyond? Uh, I never knew that store existed, and then I bought a house, and now it's like an adult playground. Like, I walk in there, like, I want that. I want that. I'd love to zest lemons. Yes, please. I need a lemon zester. I never knew a lemon zester existed, but now I go to Bed Bath & Beyond, and I've been made aware. So I've, I've been having this problem in my, in my bathroom. This shower curtain is like the bane of my existence. How many of you guys, you, you know like when the shower curtain's supposed to close, there's like a magnet on the bottom, so it sticks to the side of the shower and, and then, you know, it creates a good seal. Well, mine always like folds up over itself. Anybody experience this problem? Am I the only one? No? Okay. So uh, this, this shower curtain is a problem because now uh, my shower is like a walk-in shower. It doesn't have the tub. And so it just sprays water all over my baseboard. That's not a good thing, right? That's like rotted wood just waiting to happen. And so I'm on a mission. I'm going to change this. I'm going to make this, this uh, happen. I figure, well, okay, if there's any shower curtain that's going to work right, it's going to be at Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, they have all the, like, the as-seen-on-TV kind of crazy stuff that, like, you know, fix all your problems in life. And so I figured the shower curtain, I could get some sort of, like, go-go gadget shower curtain that would spread out across my shower and, and then seal the water, and my life would actually be complete and content with no more issues from then on. So I walk into Bed Bath & Beyond, and, of course, I find an associate because I never know where I'm at. I just wander. You know, uh, where am I? And the associate, you know, takes me over to the shower curtains and I'm asking them for a magical shower curtain that will do everything that I want it to do. And to my dismay, this associate I explains to me that there is no such thing as a go-go gadget shower curtain, which I was very sad about. So, uh, you know, we, we get into this conversation and, you know, she really encourages me to become the inventor 
of this shower curtain and to then go on Shark Tank as the inventor. So I want to announce to you guys my resignation as of today uh, because I have a new business plan um, which will in involve me becoming a millionaire, nay, a billionaire, uh, after inventing the GoGo -Go Gadget shower curtain. So, you know, and that would actually be a really good response to my problem. I mean, to, to be honest, minus the resignation part. It would be a great response to see the problem and to recognize that, hey, I could provide a piece of this solution. I could invent this, although I have literally no skills or know-how. Maybe I could get a friend to help me. I don't know. That would be a great response. But could you imagine if, like, as soon as the... Uh, the, the lady was like, oh yeah, there's no such thing. I just started like ripping down shelves in Bed Bath & Beyond and pitching like this huge temper tantrum because they didn't have the shower curtain that I wanted. That would be a terrible way to react to my failed mission, right? And, and what James is, is saying in, in verse 19 is that the way that we respond so often when our mission fails and when we fall is we respond in anger. Now, my mission to get a shower curtain is incredibly petty. Let's all be honest for just a moment. But so many of us are actually in real situations where we're experiencing real trial, where, where we're experiencing real failure, real persecution, real struggle. Certainly the early church was experiencing real struggle. How many of these people that, that James, the brother of Jesus, was writing to knew James, the brother of John, personally and were, were torn up about what had gone on? And imagine the reaction that, that they might have would be to be angry and to want to fight and to step up and say, no, we're going we're gonna to get Herod for doing what he did to James. But Jesus, when he was on the planet, reminded us that we are to what to our enemies? Love our enemies, to bless those who persecute us. See, so many of us are in legitimate, real trials and real struggle. And, and the temptation is to try to fight back with anger. And what James is saying is, hey, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because that type of anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in our life. And he goes on to say, then get rid of all of, of the uh, rampant wickedness. The rampant wickedness that, that would otherwise come into our lives. Because it's also possible for us in the midst of a trial to just throw our hands up and give up. And run away and say, I'm just going to go back to my old life. It was a lot easier doing life the way that I did before Jesus. And what James is saying is, look, don't try to fight the system. Don't try to stand up and create a rebellion against Herod. And, and also, don't go back to your old life. Don't run back to the rampant wickedness that used, to, that used to satisfy you when things didn't go well. Don't do that. Rather, what does he say in verse 21? Rather, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. That word receive, I think a lot of times we kind of like think very passively about that word, like I might receive a gift. I didn't, you know, didn't do much, but put my hands out. But what James is, is trying to communicate to us is that we would receive and embrace the word of God, which can save our souls. He continues on in verse 22 by saying, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
You know, one of the things that I think that uh, is very, very similar to the Marine that runs into the battle, that, that runs toward the chaos, is a firefighter. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine. He actually comes here to Mosaic, and he's a firefighter. And firefighters are those crazy people that when the building is burning and the fire alarm's going off, and we're all running out of the building, which is what we're supposed to do because we're not trained to fight the fire. A firefighter is someone who's willing to run into the building, run into the danger, run into the chaos, because that building needs to be saved. Perhaps there's someone inside that needs to be rescued. Perhaps someone's demon cat is inside (laughs) and it's gonna claw your face off, but it needs to be rescued. Now, some of you guys are cat people, I don't understand you. I never will. You know that cat, you feed it every day and it's just sitting there and when it purrs, it's saying, I'm gonna gonna murder you. (laughs) Just any day now, that tail's like wagging all crazy. You know how their tail's wagging? It's like, you're up to something. I know you are. I'm so sorry. Half of you are like, oh, get him off the stage. Where's Renault? There he is. Put the mic on, Renault, please. I love you cat people, I just don't understand you. It's the truth. So this firefighter, he's running in and he's, he's willing to go into the battle. He's willing to go into the, the chaos. He's willing to go in and risk his life because it's worth it. It's worth it. But could you imagine that firefighter running into the fire with no equipment on, just in his boxers? Don't picture it. Don't picture it, but could you imagine that? How ridiculous that would be? I was having this conversation with Luke and, and he was sharing with me, you know, as, as you fight fires, there are a few things that can cause grave danger to you. The first of which is if your oxygen runs out. You're in the midst of a fire. Uh, most people don't actually burn to death. They die of smoke inhalation. And so the biggest danger to you as a firefighter, uh, as far as your equipment failing, is your oxygen. If your oxygen goes, you're in big trouble. You gotta get out quick. One of the other problems with with the equipment that can happen and can cause great danger is if the the water runs out on your hose. Either something happens to the hose or it simply just runs out because you now no longer have any tools to fight the fire. You've got no way to, to combat the flames. And that's an incredibly dangerous place to be. And what James is saying is that we are called to embrace the word of God in our lives because it's able to save us. It's able to protect us. It's a tool that we ought to use, not only being hearers of the word, but doers of the word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that the word of God, verse, uh, chapter three, verses 16 and 17, it says, the word of God, all scripture, is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for correction or reproof, and for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully mature and complete and able to do every good work, equipped for every good work. So what James is saying is that we ought to receive and embrace the word of God, not being hearers but doers, because it is what equips us to do the work that God has called us to do. Remember the mission that Jesus has handed the church and James is is pleading with the church not to shrink back but to engage in the mission. 
And what he's saying is that the word of God is incredibly key and incredibly important for us as we engage in the mission of God. And we can't do it alone. We can't do it on our own. We can't run and try to do God's work by ourselves. But we need his constant equipping in our lives. And he primarily does that through his word. That's what 2 Timothy 3 explains to us. As my conversation unfolded with Luke, he said one other thing that I thought was incredibly fascinating. He said, you know, running out of air, you gotta get out of the house. Running out of water, you gotta get out of the house. You gotta step away from the mission. But there's something far worse to happen for you in the middle of the smoke and in the middle of the fire. The worst possible thing that can happen to you in that situation is you forget who you are. You get disoriented. You forget where you're at, where you entered and where you must exit. You can't receive the instruction from your superiors or from your teammates. Getting disoriented and forgetting who you are is the worst possible thing that can happen to you in the midst of a fire. I want you guys to take a look at this video clip. You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. for us to live the mission that God has handed to us, we must remember who we are. We've got to remember our identity. We can't get into the middle of the fray, into the middle of the mission, and forget who we are. And James explains that in the very next verse, 123, he says, for if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he is like. You know, one of the worst things that we can do is we are, are engaging in the life that God has given us is to forget who we are. To forget that we have been made new in Christ. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That the old is gone and that the new has come. 
and that God in Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're made new in Christ and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, the mission of God to reconcile people to himself. And it's so easy for us in the midst of trial and in the midst of temptation, in the midst of struggle, to forget who it is we are. And most of the time, we forget who we are because we've got our eyes on our circumstances, we've got our eyes on our failures, we've got our eyes on the things that have happened in our life that we didn't exactly expect to go the way that they've gone. How many of you are parents and remember what it was like to walk home with this baby in your arms, a completely new life, moldable in every way? Freaked out probably because there's no manual that goes with that. But at the same time, just thinking to yourself, you know, what might this young man become? What might this young woman become one day? My hope for them is that they would, that they would live up to their potential, that they would be the person that they can be. They would have all the opportunity in the world. As parents, that's the desire that we have. But how often as parents have we walked into our own failures with our, our children and recognized how that's affected their lives? How often as, as parents do your teenagers act or behave in a certain way and you recognize maybe that's my fault? Maybe I've done something to impact or to affect them. And in the midst of that, how difficult can it be to remember what you're actually called to be and do for that kid because you feel like a failure and you feel like you've messed up? How many of you are teenagers and you've done something and you know it's hurt your mom or your dad or your brothers or your sisters? Or you remember what that was like? It's so easy for us to allow our failures and our shortcomings to define who we are. And it so easily knocks us away from the mission. And what James is saying is don't let that happen to you. Don't look at your face in the mirror. Don't look at who God has made you to be in the mirror and walk away. And instead of evaluating your, yourself on that life, you evaluate yourself based on your own shortcomings. And it's so easy for us to do. In the midst of missed opportunity and and failure, and disappointment, lost hope, broken relationships, it's so easy for us to look at our lives and say, this is not exactly what I envisioned. And to feel like we're not usable anymore. God can't use me. I've done this, and I've done that, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. I may as well just give up. What James is saying is don't do it. Look at your face in the mirror and remember. Remember who you are. Remember who Jesus has made you to be. Remember the mission that Jesus has handed to you and go do it. Go live it out. And when you fall, get up and continue to cling to Jesus. Continue to walk with other Christians in community. This is one of the reasons that we have missional community here at Mosaic Church. Because it's so easy for us to get discouraged in the process of trying to live out the mission that God has given us, to live out our calling on this earth. And what missional community can do is to help us stick our bodies in front of the mirror and remember who we are. 
to encourage and challenge one another to continue the fight, to continue the mission, to be a part of what God has called us to be a part of regardless of our circumstances. Because here's the reality. You and I were put on planet Earth for a purpose. Every single one of us. We were born at this time, in this period of history, in this place. We live here in this place for a reason and for a purpose. There's a reason that God called Renault and Brooke 10 years ago to travel from California where humans existed to Claremont where there were orange groves and a promise of a target. That's all there was. But God had a mission for them. And I imagine that there was some difficulty and some struggle and some trial along the way. And what if they had just gotten angry and blown up and said, forget this. Where would we be today? Where would I be today? And it's important that we stay on the mission. We depend on one another to stay on the mission because God wants to reach Oakland, Florida with the good news of who he is. He wants to reach Claremont and Mineola. He wants to reach Winter Garden and Ocoee and Windermere. He wants to reach the city of Orlando for the glory of God and he wants to use our story to unfold that. And so as James is writing to the early church, he writes to us today. Mosaic Church, remember who you are. Have you failed? Yeah. Have you fallen? Yes. Have you struggled? Yes. Are you sick? Yes. Have you succeeded? Yes. But regardless of our circumstances, whether we failed or succeeded, whether we're sick or healthy, Jesus is saying, Take your eyes off of that. Put your eyes on me, on who I am, and on what I've done, and who I've called you to be in the process. You know, as, as people that God is calling to run into the burning building, it's so incredibly important that we remain equipped like that firefighter with his oxygen mask on and with his water hose ready to fight the fire. And it's incredibly important that we remember who we are. That our identity is in check, that we're looking at Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Stay equipped and remember who we are. How are we gonna do that apart from being a part of a community who is focused on the word of God and what, what he has said about us and what he's called us to do in the word? You know, when you ask the question, man, okay, well, how do I do that? How, how do I remain, how do I remain in a place where I can know that I'm who I am and, and know that I'm equipped for this, this mission? It's so easy to forget. There's so much going around us. There's, there's so much happening in our daily lives. Good things, bad things, neutral things, busy things. How do we keep our faces in front of the mirror? Later on, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. I want us to turn there. Uh, it's a few pages back. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is on page 635 of the Mosaic Bibles. How do we make sure we remember who we are and that we're equipped to do what God has called us to do? Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, Paul writes and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
we gotta remember that this is not about our strength. This is not about our own ability. This isn't about our own ability to succeed. It's not about us at all, but it's about God working through us. Be strong in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What Paul is saying is, look, our battle and our fight is real. But the fight that we have and the battle that we have, it's not against human beings. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. It's against our enemy, Satan. And we fight not against each other, but we fight against Satan for each other. You guys see the difference there? Are you having trouble in your marriage? You're not fighting against each other. You're fighting Satan for each other. Are you having trouble in your family life or in your workplace? It's not about the people. It's about the fact that we are in a fight. And the fight's not against one another. It's for one another, against our enemy. So he says, therefore, so since, since that is true, since this fight is against the enemy, therefore, you have to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What Paul is saying is that we've been given this incredible opportunity as followers of Jesus to engage in the mission of God, but you don't wanna do it ill-equipped. You don't wanna do it forgetting who you are. So you got to put on the full armor of God. And within the armor of God, we see incredible things that the belt of truth is that the word of God is true for us. And as we learn the word of God and the truth of God, that it begins to guard us. That the breastplate of righteousness, man, we, that, we know that we are righteous in him. And how do we know that? Because the word of God tells us that it's true. The shoes of the gospel, we go in and for the good news of Jesus. And where do we know the gospel? How do we get more familiar with the gospel? How do we get more excited and more impassioned about the gospel? The word of God. He goes on and on and on. The armor of God is so intimately connected with the word of God. And finally, he ends that the sword of the spirit, it is the very word of God. The sword is for offense and the sword is for defense and we need it in our everyday lives all the time. And it's so easy for us to, to be on this road of life and forget that we even have a mission. Forget that we're on mission. We get weary and tired and burned out because there are so many things that are going on in our lives. And what James is writing to the early church is don't forget who you are. Remember who you are. 
Don't get away from the word of God which can save your souls. Let it equip you for every good work so that you can stay on this mission. And the same is true for us here today. What was true for the early church after James had been murdered is true in your life after you find out you have cancer. It's true in your life after you go through a divorce. It's true in your life as you step into your classroom and you're a teacher and you want to do everything you can do to teach these kids for the glory of God. It's true in your life when you walk into a sales environment and you want to sell people things, but you don't want to be shady in the process. That we've got to remember who we are and we've got to be equipped by the word of God so that we can live out this mission. And for us here at Mosaic, that's our only hope. That's our only hope to be able to fulfill the mission of God that God has handed over to us, that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Claremont, and Oakland, and Winter Garden. What God birthed originally in Renault and Brooke's heart that sent them here to this place, we're now a part of that mission. The greater mission of God is to reach every tribe, every tongue, and every nation with the good news of who Jesus is. And what part do we play? If you're a part of Mosaic Church, you play this part. So we need to stir one another up. We need to stay connected to one another and keep our faces in front of the mirror. I think it's so easy for us to look at this scripture and be like, well, I gotta be a hearer of the word and a doer because if I'm just a, a hearer and not a doer, then I'm just the scum of the earth. And that's not at all what James is saying. What James is saying is, Be a hearer and a doer so that you can remember who you are, so that you can be connected, that you can be equipped. That's what James is saying, and he closes up his thought. Turn back to James, James 1, 25. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law The law of liberty. Remember, it's the law of liberty. The Bible is not something that is meant to constrain us, but it's meant to set us free. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You know, can you imagine being that firefighter for just a minute who runs into the building and rescues that cat And runs out and brings that scared cat to his owners. Or even more incredible, runs in and rescues a child or a person who is trapped and brings that person out. Can you imagine the joy that you would feel as a firefighter to know that you played a part in seeing someone rescued? See, that's what God is calling us into. It's not that we rescue anyone. Jesus does that. It's his work on the cross. We know that. We trust that. But he's invited us into the process. How crazy awesome is that? Especially for a pansy like me that knows I can't do the Marines thing, right? That's good news for me. That I've been invited into the mission of God to go reach people, to to be his witnesses. We, We get to do that. That is an incredible privilege that we've been handed. He will be blessed in what he's doing. He goes on to say, if anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. Look, what he's saying is, look, don't just talk the talk. Don't just 
think you've got all the right religious awesome answers and you never actually step into the mission, you never actually love people, your religion is worthless. And what is the mission? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Because we have a mission to go take care of people who can't take care of themselves. People who need. God is calling us into that. We have a mission to share with people the only thing that can keep them from being unstained, and that's the blood of Jesus, the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Our mission is to go take care of those who are hurting and to bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus to the world. That's it. It's pretty simple. It's simple, but it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult, and we can't do it on our own. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who, he's been doing Safe Families, he and his wife. And Safe Families is an incredible ministry, incredible opportunity to help a family who's struggling through circumstances where they can't take care of their children for a period of time. Safe Families is an opportunity to step in and provide uh, relief for that family and avoid the foster care system. He was saying, you know, when my wife and I first stepped into to safe families, it seemed really romantic. You know, they're a newlywed couple. We're going to take care of a kid, and it's going to be great. And like 45 minutes into it, all hell had broken loose. And like he's hearing like words come from this kid that he's never said in his life. And things are going nuts, and things are going crazy. And what he realized is that just the, the, the romanticism of the mission, it's not going to sustain us. Right? I mean, we can up here every weekend at Mosaic romanticize the mission and make it out to be this great grand thing that's wonderful and roses and, oh, he'll be blessed in what he does and it's so awesome and it's great and we can walk out excited to be a part of the mission. But then it gets hard, really hard. I've had conversation after conversation after conversation with people who I know are stepping deep into the thick of mission in their lives, in their families, and they're overwhelmed they don't know what to do, and it's hard, and that's normal. I mean, we don't want to paint a picture to you that is not true, that's not gospel-oriented, that if you just give your life to Jesus, you'll, you'll be wealthy and healthy and something that rhymes with those two words. <laughs> you know, this is hard. Mission is hard. There is trial, and there is persecution, and there is temptation to give up. What James is saying is don't do it. Remember. Remember who you are. The word of God equips us. And the word of God reminds us who we are. Hear the word and apply it to your life. Hear that you are made new in Christ and apply that to your life. Hear that Jesus has made you a minister of reconciliation and apply that to your life. Hear that the battle is not against flesh and blood and apply that to your life. You put on the whole armor of God. Mission is hard. It takes armor. Remember who you are and stand firm. That's what James is, 
is screaming out to the early church in the midst of a horrific situation. I don't know what situations are in your life, but I know that the word of God is screaming out the same thing to you. Remember who you are. Stay equipped for the mission and stand firm. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you have not left us to figure out this life on our own. That you didn't just hand us the the mission to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth and leave it up to us to figure it out, to do it right, to succeed all the time. But Jesus, you gave us your word to remind us every single day of who we are and to equip us for every good work that you call us to. Jesus, at the end of the day, we don't do this so that we can have a really great life or be remembered or any of those things. We do this because you are great. You are good. Your gospel, the good news of what you've done for us, it's, it's worth telling. It's worth living. It's worth sharing. Jesus, you've changed our lives, and so we want to see other people's lives changed with the good news of who you are. So this morning, we just turn our hearts to you and, and our attention to you, and we, we recognize that it's because you are great that we desire to take up your mission and live it out on this planet. Help us to keep our face in the mirror. Help us to remember who we are as we go out on mission. Help us to be equipped. Help us to rely on your word and to stand firm. It's in Jesus' name we pray.